Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up. Hey everyone and welcome to AEW Unrestricted. It is Thursday morning and we are very excited to be here. Me, Aubrey Edwards, and my guest co-host, Will Washington. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing great. I'm excited. I'm excited for this specific episode and I'll get into why shortly, but I'm really excited for this episode. Yes. Uh, I want to say first off, uh, one, welcome Mike Bennett to the podcast. Lots of lots of history here, and I'm so excited to go into it. Two, I appreciate you also sitting in the same chair that Maria sat in, because now I just see it as like, this is the kingdom's throne. Like, this is what you guys sit in, and I appreciate the consistency to the gimmick. <laughs> this is actually our bedroom. I'm actually technically not even on a throne. I'm sitting on our bed because it is it is the quietest room in the house. We can shut the door. And so we've just kind of designated this, the podcast, interview, get crap done room. So this is, this. here we go. I feel you and I respect it as a, I mean, I can't even imagine with two kids like trying to find space where it's quiet. I commend you, man. Yeah. I'm one of those people where it's like, my husband has meetings at 10 a.m. So I have to record all my meetings before then because we have like a tiny little condo. <laughs> it's like, if you don't want to hear all the cool stuff that they're happening on like Meow Match, <laughs> some random video game on the app store. It's like, okay, let's, let's anyway, this is a podcast this is about me. Will, you kick us off. Let's get on topic. Yeah. So Mike, first off, I have to say for those who have, Followed me long enough. This is the, I want to say, fourth podcast. I did a count last time I was like, it was the third. This is the fourth podcast that technically you and I have done together. Okay. Uh, I guess pulling back the curtain a little bit. I've known this man 10 years now to the point of where I was invited to you guys' wedding. Like, I've known you a very, very long time. 10 years ago, I produced a podcast for you, Mike and Maria in Wonderland. And then I did non essential wrestlers for you guys. Yep. That was just during the pandemic. That was just like, three years ago. Um, and then plus uh, various times I had talked to you. So of all the things in coming into AEW, it was like, hey, I get to work with Mike Bennett now, somebody I've known a really, really long time. So I'm just going to hang back and let you guys do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so this past week was the debut AEW Collision, uh, Chicago United Center. I actually bumped into you guys in the lobby at the hotel and you had the whole gang. You had your kids, you had nieces and nephews, like everybody had basically come to this show. And so they got to see you wrestle live. How was that at the United Center? It was awesome. It was actually really cool too, because I think people who are unaware with how Collision or Dynamite or Rampage, how it works is a lot of times Ring of Honor is either A, filmed before or it's filmed after. Hopefully for me, I was like, oh, I want to be on before because if you know my kids, they don't really want to stick around very long for things. They just. Oh, just your kids? 
I think that's everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just my kids, not every kid ever. I'm talking about me, man. But <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's five, my son is three. So trying to get them to stick around for things is almost impossible, especially loud shows and and things like that. But I ended up being on the second half after the show. By the grace of God, my kids stuck around. My kids were there. They enjoyed it. They were rooting it on. So by the time I went out there, I was like, are they still going to be here? And lo and behold, they were there. And I think, honestly, as I try to think back, that was the first time I think I was at a live show like that, that I got to look out and I actually got to see them and wave to them and actually like just embrace that whole moment of like, holy crap, those are my kids and they're getting to watch daddy wrestle for the first time. It's one of those moments that as simple and as stupid as it sounds, I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Like I can still see Carver reaching his arms out like this going, and like there's a picture that they caught of Taven waving to Carver. And it just, um, it, it was awesome. That whole night was incredible having the family there, the whole show top to bottom. I had such a fun time and it was just an awesome atmosphere. And I'm just super proud to be a part of it. I, I absolutely love that. And I love that you know, it's it's such a memorable moment for you because your kids are so young. So like maybe Freddie will like remember it, but who knows if Carver will at this point. But sure. the fact also that you like have the footage of it, of this moment that is super important in your life. And one of the things I wanted to touch on that I particularly love, I saw it on Instagram recently, but like you guys were gone for like six or seven days or something, but then quickly made a trip home to surprise your kids. I know it's been Father's Day recently. So like that's the kind of stuff that I love seeing is that people who go out of their way to give their kids like these memorable moments. Like what does it mean to you to be a dad? Uh, oof, everything. Those moments, that's what it means to be a dad for me. You go out of your way because not because you have to, but because you want to. And so I know for me and Maria, when we have those moments, and I think what you're referencing is I think we had like this long trip where there was like maybe a day in between and there was the option of just using it as a travel day and going to the next town or AEW as great as they've always been. We're like, do you guys want to go home for a little while? And for us, it's always go home, go home, go home. Mm -hmm. To me, it's those moments. It's look, we're all going to have our own lives. Every parent knows this. We all have our own dreams. We all have our, our own hopes. We all have our own stresses and our own struggles. But when you're with your kids, you almost have to take those other stresses and just throw them out the window and be completely 100% present. And I think that's what me and Maria try to do. I, we have those moments where we get to go home, we get to be with them and look, our phones are going off. Social media is telling us this. We're dealing with stresses of finances and travel and all this crap. But in that moment, you just have to say to yourself, this is where I want to be. This is where I have to be mm -hmm. because we're going to look back in 30 years and we're going to say, when we got home, did it really matter about that storyline? Did that tweet? that we responded to? Did that really matter? Did that email that we were responded to? Did that really matter? Or was it important that we sat there and we played monster trucks with my son, or I watched frozen with my daughter, or I played Barbies with my daughter, or collectively, we went out and we went to the park. Those are the moments I think when I'm 60, 70, I'm going to look back and go, that's what I wanted to do. I don't ever want to look back and go, I wish I embraced those moments more. I want to look back and go, wow, I'm really glad I savored every single moment and just enjoyed every single moment. And that's being a dad. It's not always easy. And, and I'm sure Will can tell you this. And now that he's on the road, just as much as all of us, he sure as hell can tell you this. You just have to take those moments and just soak them all in and be like, all right, I'm here. I'm present. 
and I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of it while I got it. Oh, absolutely. As soon as this is podcast is over, I'm taking my kids to a museum. I, I absolutely get that because um, it's it means so much more when you're away. Right. Because, you know, th- your kids don't quite understand why, even if it's just for that one day that mommy and daddy are gone. And so in that moment, they're so happy to see you. They're so happy to see you walk back through that door. And like seeing you guys interact was was already such a special thing seeing that in Chicago. That was actually the first time I had to see you guys with the kids. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I fully understand that being on the road. And I'm still trying to get used to it. I, I almost feel like pick your brain just in a private conversation about how you pitch those moments where they just have to ask you like, well, why do you have to go again? Like, mm-hmm. it's so tough. But the, one of the things I appreciate about AEW is the flexibility and the ability to still have those moments with your kids where in a lot of places, especially with you and with the history that you've had, you have necessarily had that. Yeah. And just a, a quick side note, you don't ever get used to it. No, I, I had this mindset and I think it was it was uh, Shane Helms who told me this is, is you, you don't ever get used to it because I was like, you know what? This is tough when they're young because they're new. And I'm like, I just want to be around them so much. And as soon as they get older and they understand more because they can comprehend stuff, then it'll get a little bit easier. But what you realize is as, as they get older and they comprehend stuff, they can now be like, well, why are you leaving? I don't understand it. And you can now have conversations with them. So before where they're just kind of like a new baby comes out and they're just they're just kind of there, you know, they, they eat, they poop and they're just there and you're, they cry and you're like, okay, you don't really have to explain things to them. My daughter now is five. And so she now get like you, she can tell when the bags start getting packed, when she sees the laundry starts getting done, it's like, oh, are you guys leaving? Oh, like you can just feel it and she can sense it. And it's just this mood shift. Mm. But I think the one cool thing that we've, we've kind of done is she's now helping Carver cope with the fact that we're leaving. And so there are moments, we've had moments where Carver would get upset and we've watched as Freddie would go over and put her arm around him and just be like, Carver, it's okay. They're going to be back in two sleeps. And my heart just melts when that happens. And I'm just like, okay, I feel like I've done something right. But Will, you never get used to it. It's, it's a constant... You just hope you're doing the right thing. You hope you're giving them the skills that they need. You hope everything is worth it and it pays off. And that's all you can do. Some of the best advice I ever got, believe it or not, it was by Triple H. And he told me, he said, your parents didn't have a clue what they were doing, just like you don't have a clue what you're doing. And I just remember being like, wow, that actually really helps because I look at my parents as like, these elders that know everything and they're brilliant and they're geniuses and they guided me through life. And when I was there and I was a baby, they just knew because they're brilliant. And then I sit back and I go, no, they didn't have a clue either. They were just doing the best they could with what they had. Now they didn't travel as much, but looking at it as someone who feels like he has no clue what he's doing, knowing that the people I respect the most and I looked up to the most as, as my parents are, that helped. That helped a tremendous amount. But the part I love the most is AEW is the best with letting us go. We had we had dance recitals. All we do is send them and say, hey, we have a dance recital. And they go, have fun. And just that little bit of relief, knowing like, okay, they understand what's important in life. And I don't have to explain it to them. I don't have to feel like I have to explain it to them. I can just be, I can just tell them, hey, this is what's going on. And they go, yep, family first, we get it. That has helped out immensely. I think it's one of those things like that, 
the office staff at AEW all wears like 12 hats each, right? Yes. And having people like Bryce and Paul be the ones that book everyone's travel, like two dads who are on the road all the time with kids. Yeah. I think that plays into it, right? Like one, Tony Khan's this amazing person and we talk about how great he is all the time because it's actually true, yeah. but also just kind of the everyone else prioritizing the same things. Like I don't have kids, but I still have a family and I have cats that I love very much. And I used to be like, oh, well, I'm not going to go home unless I have 36 hours at home. I'm like, no, I've got 12. I'm going to make the most of it. Yes. Like this is like really, really important. And I don't think people fully understand like literally like this is our jobs. We're home for maybe a couple hours, one sleep back on the road. Like one of the most depressing things in the world is when you're on a plane and you're checking in for your next flight. Oh. <laughs> and you land at a show and you're there like, are you ready to check in? And I'm like, oh my God, oh, I guess yeah. I'm ready to check in. I don't want to be, but yeah, I'll check in. But what I think is real, what, what I feel is cool about AEW is I feel like we're, we're setting the trend for what wrestling is going to be in the next generation. 100%. Look, Everyone in the 70s and the 80s, that was in the 90s, that was the lifestyle. I get it. But they didn't know any better. And they, they were just going through what they thought they were supposed to do. They were being the dads they were based on how they thought they were supposed to do it. And now we realized that wasn't maybe the best way to do it. Maybe giving all your attention to the road and giving all your attention to work and giving all your attention to your job. Maybe that's not the best way to do it. And I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not saying they're they're wrong. I'm saying they didn't know. And now we know. And I think the cool thing is, as opposed to just saying, well, this is the way we always did it, so we can't change. We have to do it this way because that's Wrestling 101 and that's what we need to do. AEW is looking at it and going, okay, we learned. We know. We know the effect that the dads and the moms not being around have on kids. So if we can be the company that says, hey, you guys are going to be on the road. But when you need the time, take the time. I think that's important. And I think it's important to tell the younger generation that it's not going to be like it was as you're getting older. If you want to start a family, you can start a family. Hell, I can't speak to this, but my wife can. If you're a female, it's going to be incredibly relieving to know, hey, if you decide that you want to start a family, your career is not going to be over. There will be a spot for you when you come back. Preach, sir. Go have your child. And then guess what? You're talented enough that we're not just going to sit there and be like, oh, you're a mom now. See you later. No, we're going to say, we want your talent back. And we want your talent back based on how you want to do it. Because guess what? You're now a mom. And to me, I, I could speak on this for hours because it means so incredibly much to me to just have that understanding that me and Maria are parents first and then we're wrestlers. And to have a company that understands that. It goes so far for me. This is just an absolutely incredible conversation. I think we've asked like one question and just <laughs> talked about like super deep shit this whole time. I absolutely love it. We're talking to Mike Bennett here on AEW Unrestricted and much more coming up. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. AEW Unrestricted, Will and Aubrey talking to Mike Bennett about, you know, fatherhood, kids, the importance of being there, like super deep and we're one segment in. Um, so let's let's take a turn in a different direction. You recently had 11 staples in your head. 
Yes. Complete tangent. How, what, and I think their caption was successful day at the office. Yes. yes. So, so how do you deal with something like being who you are and having these incredible matches and doing the things you want to do in wrestling and then coming home and trying to explain to your kids like, yeah, daddy's got 11 staples on its head, but he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's been really interesting lately. So I, this is ongoing joke in the house because I think since, since March, whether it be at a independent show or AEW, I think I've bled four or five times, which is like the most I have in the last 15 years of my career. Given Moxley a run for his money, man. Oh, exactly. I think someone <laughs> called me Mike Bennett Moxley. I was like, all right, I'm the Ring of Honor Mox, and he can be the AEW Mox. And we'll just, at one point, there's going to be a blood feud. I can feel it. If you're listening, don't literally. Me, just saying, you want to book that. No, it, but there was this consecutive streak where I would get color, as we call it in the wrestling industry. It got to the point where after this last time, this last time was an accidental. It was, as we say, we, we got busted open the hard way. I just remember I was in the back getting the staples. And the one thing Maria said to me was like, I don't know how we're going to keep this one from the kids. She's like, you cannot keep coming home with bandages on your head because they're going to think every time daddy leaves for work, he's getting cut or he's hurting himself or he's falling down. So it was just this ongoing joke of I was like, oh, well, I didn't even mean to do this. And even after I got the staples, I came to the back and Tony was like, does Universal Studios just make you bleed? Is that what happens? Like, they always bleed at Universal Studios. And I was like, I guess so. And he's like, there must just be something about this place that brings it out of you. And I was like, yeah, I think so. But not to get too deep again, but it actually, someone asked me, they were like, why does it seem like you've been bleeding so much in your matches? And it actually, like, I laughed about it, but then I took a step back and I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, I have. And I wonder why. But anyone who's kind of followed my journey over the last five or six years since through my sobriety, they've realized, or at least I have realized, that the Mike Bennett of the past was always holding back just a little bit. There was always that little bit of judgment in his head where, where I was saying, I want to wrestle this way. I want to go full force into this. But what if my peers think differently of me? Or what if my the veterans who I respect don't respect what I'm doing? Or it's just those... The little voices in our head that are saying, this is what you want to do, but we're going to let everyone else's opinions pull you away from what you actually want to do. And what happened when I got fired from WWE and then I find in my journey through my sobriety was I started saying to myself, I'm just going to wrestle the way I want to wrestle. I did this because it was supposed to be fun. And if I'm not having fun, what is the point of it? And when I have the most fun, it's when I throw my entire self into a match. When I say, I'm not afraid, I'm not going to worry about judgment. I'm going to go full force, whatever it takes, because that's how I want to wrestle. I want to do strong style wrestling. I want to do Japanese style wrestling. I want to get hit and I want to hit people. I want to feel something for the first time in my damn life. And that's what I'm going to do. And I've gotten <laughs> to the point where whether that means I'm going to bleed or I'm going to go through a table, or I'm going to be put in tacks or I'm going to be in a tag match or I'm going to have a pure rules match. I'm going to do it because that's the style of wrestling that I want to do. And for some reason, over the last two or three months, it's just led to a lot of bleeding and a lot of explanation at home of like, no, no, this is just pretend. Daddy's just pretending. Don't worry. I'm not really hurt. But it's because I've been throwing myself completely into wrestling. I've been allowing myself to not judge myself. I've been allowing myself to be like, hey, if you want to bleed in a match, it doesn't matter what other people say. You want to bleed in a match. And that's that's the art form of wrestling. This is the art you said to yourself, this is my canvas. I'm going to paint it. 
And it doesn't really matter what other people think. I'm running out of excuses to tell my kids. It, it was actually funny too. <laughs> the last few days I had the staples, my kids were going, can I touch it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And then they touch it and then they just go, ooh, that's funny. That feels funny. <laughs> that's and I'm funny. like, well, that's the staples. And um, believe it or not, Wednesday when we were in D.C., that's where I got the staples removed. I went through the metal detector with no metal on and I still set the metal detector off because they're like, what is setting it off? And I was like, well, just it's uh, these, these right here. And so I got a few staples. So, yeah. So that was pretty funny. Oh, that's great. And, you know, great seeing your evolution into being the performer that it's very clear that that isn't holding back that like the first time I saw Boston strong style Mike Bennett in action I was like that guy looks like he is having the time of his life in the ring that guy looks like he it's almost just like this emancipation of who Mike Bennett actually is so of course being back in Ring of Honor you know that's the place where people came to know Mike Bennett talk a little bit about this run in Ring of Honor and specifically about you know, we just had some recent changes to Ring of Honor. We've seen Stokely Hathaway, Jerry Lynn being named the board of directors of Ring of Honor. How is this run feeling for you so far? I am having the time of my life in this run because for a few reasons. First of all, when Ring of Honor shut down, it crushed us. Like, it, I, I'm not going to be sugarcoated. It crushed us, not just from a financial standpoint or like a family, like what are we going to do standpoint. But from uh, an emotional standpoint, like that was our family, like anyone that has ever been in the Ring of Honor locker room. It's the kingdom. It's the Briscoes. It's Dalton Castle. Like it's delirious. You know, it's it's Shane Taylor. It's all these guys that made up this incredible company. But more so, we were a family and you broke up the family. And so we felt instantly crushed of like, oh, my God, our family's going our separate ways. What are we going to do? And then when Tony came in and bought it, it was like, okay. But then it was still like, what, what's this going to be? Did he just buy it for the library? What's he going to do with it? What, what's Tony's viewpoint of it? And to see the right out of the gate before we had shows, before there were anything, before he started hiring people in, to see the level of respect that he gave to the company right out of the bat, to know what Ring of Honor meant to not only us, but to the wrestling world as a whole, instantly I went, okay, it's in good hands. Regardless of what happens, the person who now owns Ring of Honor is holding our baby and he respects it and it looks like he loves it as much as we do. And I went, okay, first thing out of the gate, I love that. Okay, cool. This is something I can do. As far as me and Taven and Maria go, it feels like we've been put in this role and I don't want to step on toes. I don't want to say this, is, but it feels like we're kind of like the gatekeepers of Ring of Honor where we've kind of come in and we're like, hey, we want everyone to know what this company's about. We want to know what the vibe is about. So we're going to show you what it's about. So that means if you have a five-minute match in front of 400 people at Universal Studios, you're still going to go out there and you're still going to kill yourself and you're still going to bust your ass and you're going to give everything you have. Why? Because that's the Ring of Honor way. And so for me, if I get busted open a minute into the match, I'm finishing the match regardless because that is the Ring of Honor way. Because we put our blood, our sweat, and our tears, not to be cliche, into this match, into this ring. Whether it's a five-minute match or it's a 20-minute match, we're going to show people what Ring of Honor stand for. And I love that role. Being in the ring with Darius and action, and it's like, hey, here's these two young guys that we're trying to figure out where they fit. You know, Dante just get, got hurt. What are we going to do with Darius? What are we going to do with action? Let's put them together. Okay, Mike, Matt, Maria, 
Let's guide them through something. Cool. And then we went out there and we had that fight without honor match with this just, I hold so much pride in. And then watching Darius in action wrestle now, they look like two men with a purpose. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yes, this is what I want to do. We're elevating the kingdom. We're elevating ring of honor. And then we're elevating the younger talent, which mind blown. That's what wrestling is supposed to That's what we're supposed to do as we get older in wrestling, as we mature in wrestling. It goes, hey, guys, we've done all this cool stuff. Now I'm going to reach my hand down, pull you up and go, hey, come do this cool stuff with us. And guess what? That doesn't mean the cool stuff ends for the kingdom. We can keep going and keep rising and keep doing cooler stuff. But guess what? While we're doing it, we're going to pull up action and Darius with us. You know, we're going to pull up the infantry with us. Why? Because that is what you're supposed to do. And that is what Ring of Honor represents, at least to me. I 100% agree with you. And I feel like like a lot of people were thinking like when Tony bought Ring of Honor, like, oh my God, this is great because this is someone who cares about wrestling. He legitimately knows, like respects wrestling history, but also knows like how everything kind of fits together. And I think there was that question of like, what is Ring of Honor going to be now that Tony has it? And it's interesting to see because even though like with Ring of Honor, we're filming it on the same day we're filming Collision, like they feel they still feel like two distinct shows. Yes. They still feel like two distinct promotions. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to like ref a little bit on Ring of Honor. It's like, oh, this this is different. And I, I 100% agree with you that like the Ring of Honor guys who have been there that are synonymous with Ring of Honor are doing a great job at keeping that Ring of Honor feel alive. Yes. So while it's a new iteration, it's like it's still Ring of Honor. And I just really appreciate you and Taven and Maria and everyone else who's sort of doing that. Yeah. It's kind of hard to talk about Ring of Honor at all without mentioning the Briscoes and just kind of like what they have meant for you guys and like the Supercard of Honor reach for the sky ladder match like how emotional was that match in that night for you? I'll probably get emotional here, so I apologize. Don't apologize. It was everything. I don't think people will ever truly grasp what Jay Briscoe meant to Ring of Honor in wrestling, but what he meant to me, my family, and what he meant to Matt in the kingdom. The Briscoes did things for us in Ring of Honor when no one was really giving us a chance, when no one really believed we were any good. And the Briscoes went out there and they not only made us good, but they gave us that respect that really made the rest of the locker room and the rest of the wrestling world go, oh, wow, this is a team to take serious. If the Briscoes respect them, then we have to respect them. Not to go back to a previous question, but there's been this mantra in my head ever since Jay passed away that I kind of live my life with because I think Jay Briscoe was not only one of the greatest wrestlers ever, he was one of the greatest men. Mm-hmm. The way he carried himself, he wasn't perfect. He, he wasn't without flaw, but none of us are. But at the end of the day, he was a man that lived with passion and he lived with conviction and he was a family man and he loved his family. And if he loved you, he loved you hard. I have this mantra that I've just been going through life and it's probably a reason why I've been bleeding so much in my matches because I just say to myself, what would Jay Briscoe do? What would Jay Briscoe do in this situation? If it was a match, how would he handle it? Would he take the night off? Absolutely not. What would he do? How would he handle this situation? And it's helped me live so true to who I am because Jay Briscoe never shied away from who he was. Jay Briscoe was a proud man from Delaware. He was a proud family man. He didn't hide it. His family's amazing. He's amazing. And just like I remember about a week after Jay's services and everything, and after just seeing the way AEW handled it, but more importantly, the way Tony handled everything, 
I remember I looked at Maria and I said, I don't think I ever want to work for another wrestling company besides this. Because the way Tony treats us like people, like we're not just pawns on a, on a chessboard. We have a life. We have a family. When something like this happens, it not only affects the people close to him, but the surrounding population of people that were, it has a trickle effect on the wrestling industry. And to know that there's a person in charge that is saying this matters. I looked at my wife and I was like, I just, I don't want to work for someone who doesn't have that empathy. And that empathy goes a long way. And just being put in that ladder match, the stuff that happened with Mark after having that match with Jay Lethal, it just, um, it was special because I hadn't found any sort of peace. And the little bit of peace I found was when Mark Briscoe's music hit and he was wrestling Jay Briscoe and to see him coming out with the tag titles and to see him smiling and just, I think at that moment, we all needed that peace and we found that peace. And to have that moment, I just like, yeah, I don't know. It's been a roller coaster ride since January. I'm just thankful for the people that I've had around me to get through this. And um, I love Jay. I love him to death. And I, I think he's the, the most, his family's great. I love seeing Papa Briscoe. I could ramble on about the Briscoes all day. But uh, as you can see, I just, I think so incredibly highly of them and their family and Mark and just everybody. So um, it's been special and it's, it's been hard, but it's been, I'm so proud that I work for a company like Ring of Honor and AEW in a situation like this. I was not expecting to cry on this podcast, but. Uh, I mean, either. Uh, here I am uh, doing so. <laughs> and like, Good morning, everybody. Yeah, we <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to crying. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I, I I never got a chance to meet Jay, but in just the the short time I've been at AEW, getting to meet Mark and getting to meet Papa Briscoe and getting to meet the kids and the family, and I can already just feel what Jay meant to the wrestling world, to know what he meant to his family, to know how important his family was to him. It's just such a tragic loss, but you guys, uh, I think, honored him so well at Supercard of Honor in that tag match. I, you know, I was in attendance, I, I watching in LA, and just seeing everybody in that match. Truly, a moment to honor uh, Jay Briscoe, and you guys have history going all the way back to to Ring of Honor. How, what kind of effect did he have on you when you first entered that locker room? He was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. In, in, in the coolest way possible. Um, Cause I don't, me and Taven always call it like the Jay Briscoe eyes. He gets the Jay Briscoe eyes and you're like, Oh, Oh, stuff's about to go down now. It's funny. The, the further my career progressed in ring of honor, I watched like the transformation of Jay Briscoe just become tag team wrestler. And then he delirious was the first one that put the world title on him. And I remember when he put the world title on him, I was like, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Like, yes, absolutely. And then just after that, it was just Jay Briscoe. He was the man. He was the leader of the locker room, whether he was in the tag team division or he was the world champion. You know, Caprice said something at his, uh, his services that really stuck with me. He said, Jay Briscoe was a man's man because so many men in wrestling looked up to him and wanted to be like him. And that really hit home because I went, yeah, that's kind of how I looked at Jay and how I looked at Mark. Because I, I looked at these two guys as two men who, as they, they said, WWE didn't want them because they weren't aesthetically pleasing, but they didn't care. They were two chicken farmers from Delaware and they didn't care. They embraced it. They were the Briscoe brothers. Mark had his teeth knocked out and he didn't 
care because he's Mark Briscoe and that's just what you do. Jay Briscoe carried himself in a certain way because that's Jay Briscoe. And I remember thinking to myself, here's a guy that if you didn't know him, you wouldn't understand what kind of a kind, compassionate, wonderful human being he was. But here's a person that is not only kind, compassionate, empathetic to the people around him, but he's also this tough, strong human being and he's an individual. And I looked at that and I went, oh, it's okay to be both. You can be kind, compassionate, and empathetic to people, but you can also be a tough badass and you can also stand your ground and you can also say, this is the man that I'm going to be. It's okay to say, I'm this man and this is my family. And when I'm a family man, I'm a family man. But when I'm a wrestler, I'm a wrestler. And Jay really showed to me that it's okay to be that way. He showed it's okay to be vulnerable, believe it or not. These are the lessons that I pulled out of him. I truly believe in all of my heart that I am a better man and a better human because I knew Jay Briscoe. It's very clear listening to you talk about Jay and then listening to you talk last segment about the things you prioritize as a father. It's like, yep, definitely had a huge impact on your life, not only as a wrestler, but as a man and as a father. He showed me how to be a dad. And Mark shows me how to be a dad too. I don't I don't want to leave Mark out of all this because Mark no. has taught me so much too because Mark is the same way. Mark is one of the toughest humans I know but he's also one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. And then to see him with his kids backstage, his whole clan, that whole family, they have taught me more about life than I've, I learned in my 38 years, just being around them. What's important, what to prioritize. They showed me that family first, family, friends first, everything else comes after. This is exactly how I wanted to start my day, like having this conversation. <laughs> this has just been so great. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Like so powerful and uplifting and emotional. So great. We're talking to Mike Bennett here on AEW Unrestricted. Coming up, a few more questions, and then we'll also hear from our fans. AEW Unrestricted, Will and Aubrey talking to Mike. This has been an emotional, funny uplifting like i could just spend the rest of this podcast listening adjectives for how well this has felt this morning so i i just appreciate you so much uh before we get to fan questions i do want to talk about kind of your motivational uplifting daily additions to social media and just how great they are and i know that you've been very open about your recovery and everything that that's meant to you like why is something like this important to you it's important to me because as someone who has a platform, not a giant platform, but a bigger than normal platform, I think it is my responsibility to help, to help when I can. I'm a firm believer that every single one of us, it's our responsibility as humans to help people when we have the ability to help people. So if we're in a position that we can help, I'm just a firm believer that it is our responsibility to the human race that we help. Now, having said that, I also am someone who has struggled with addiction, continuously struggles with his anxiety and his mental health issues because that's just being human. I know what it's like when you are in such a dark place that it feels like you are going to be there for the rest of your life. And I know what it's like to be so hard on yourself and so unforgiving on yourself that you just feel like everything's useless. Like, what's the point? I want people to know that that is okay. I want people to know that we all go through that. The minute I realized that every single human living on this earth 
is just 100% screwed up like I am, and we're just doing the best we can with what we were taught, it made life so much easier because I went, yes, I'm battling a battle, but you know what? That person that I just walked past on the street that might've shoulder bumped me and then just kept walking without saying anything, he's probably battling a battle too that I have no idea about. Not only he definitely is battling a battle that I know nothing about because we all are. And once I started to realize that, I said to myself, I feel like I have this obligation to use this platform that I have to let people know that it's okay, that we're all struggling, that we're all fighting, that we're all just trying to be better people and we're all just trying to survive. Look, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm anything special. I just use it because social media is a very toxic place. And wrestling social media in particular is a very toxic place. Oh, brother. And I just said to myself, I'm going to use this as a way to shine a positive light on something that is usually incredibly dark. And it just kind of got to the place where people just started writing me and they're like, this is helping. This is really helping. My wife actually said something incredibly profound to me. She said, if you just help one person, just one person, if you made one person decide, hey, I can do this, or you made one person go, hey, I can get out of bed today. She goes, isn't that good enough? Isn't that make it all worth it? And I went, yeah. And she said, well, you kind of have an obligation then to keep this going. And I thought to myself, yeah, I feel like I do. And I'm not saying I'm a this messiah. I'm not egotistical like that. I don't, if people listen to me or they don't, I don't care. And most of the time, 99% of the time, everything I'm putting out is all self-talk. It's me telling myself that, hey, this too shall pass. This dark moment won't last forever. Or, hey, Mike, the fact that you didn't like that match you had, what did you learn from that? As opposed to saying, I hated that match or I didn't like it or I feel like a failure. Just say to yourself, yeah, but what are you? What did you learn? What is this teaching you? And what can you do to improve on it? And just saying these things over and over to myself, I write them down and then I say, well, they helped me. I'm just going to put them out there and maybe it'll help someone else. I don't want to preach. I don't want to tell people what to do because I'm still learning myself. I might say one thing and then next week I learn and go, oh, okay, I was completely wrong but I'm okay with being completely wrong because I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn from it. That's why I don't preach. I don't tell people, this is how you have to do it. I tell people, this is what I'm doing. And guess what? I'm probably going to be wrong. And then I'll learn and I'll grow and I'll tell you, guess what? I was wrong. And now, now this is the way I want to do it. I want people to see my journey, grow with me on my journey. Because if I can show them that as a wrestler that's on TV, it's okay to admit your mistakes. It's okay to admit your fault because we're all growing and we're all learning then maybe it's okay for you to do it too. And if I just project that to the world and just show them that I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to do it in front of you guys, maybe it gives them that little bit of confidence to be like, well, if Mike can do it in front of all of us, well, I can do it. And it just takes that one step. There, there's so many things that I've learned on my journey that I just want people to know. I just want to share that knowledge. I want to spread the wealth. I learned so much. I've traveled the world since I was 15 and I've seen so many incredible people. I've got to wrestle in Saudi Arabia and Tokyo and Germany. And I'm sitting there going, what kind of life is this? But more importantly, what was the point of all this? If I don't use it now to give back, if I don't take all this knowledge that I have and all these things that I've learned from all these incredible people, and if I don't use it to give back, what was the point? That's kind of been my mindset. What's the point of having all this if I'm not now going to tell people, hey, this is what I've learned on my journey. And guess what? You're going to fail way more than you're going to succeed, but that's okay. You're supposed to do that. In those moments when you're completely in the dirt and you feel like you're going to be there forever, guess what? 
you're not. It's eventually going to pass. But more importantly, when you're riding high and you feel like you're going to be riding high for the rest of your life, guess what? You're not. Eventually, you're going to come down. And that's okay. You have to learn how to deal with the ebbs and flows of life. And if I can somehow project that message to somebody else and let them know that this is normal, this is okay, I feel like I did my job. This is like my wife said, if I can help one person, I feel like I did something good. I feel like you probably, even in this moment, like legit, just hearing all of that. And this is how it usually goes when I come across like Mike Bennett stuff. (laughs) It'll remind me of something I experienced recently. And I go, yeah, he's right. That's exactly how I should have seen that. And, And I think that's, a really good thing. That's exactly, I think, uh, knowing you, why you want to put that out there. It's almost like I I just recently, I had a not great day at work, but just thinking about what you just said literally just made me think about, well, you know, I've had a whole bunch of great days, but eventually I was, I, I was going to not have a great day. And this reminded me of how to bounce back. Like it, literally, I just took that advisement away. So I'm hoping anybody listening to this podcast right now got a little bit more. This is almost a little bit extra Mike Bennett in the type of inspiration that you you give to people. And I, I love that. It's always been such a great well, thing. Well, like not, not to cut you off real quick, but I feel like, you know, when you know it, that's when it makes it easier. Mm-hmm. So many times it's just the drop off. Like, oh, I've had so many great days at work and then it drops off. And our instant reaction is always to be like, well, crap, maybe this place isn't what I thought it was going to be. Maybe life does suck because we're on that steep drop off. But if you're willing to say to yourself, oh, no, this is just life. It's not always going to be sunshine and roses. It's going to be great. Then it's going to suck. Then it's going to be great. Then it's going to suck a lot. Then it might get a little bit better. Then it's going to suck a real lot. And then it gets really awesome. If if you have that wherewithal to tell yourself that, you're not going to all of a sudden make these rash emotional decisions of like, well, I had a really bad day at work. That must mean it really sucks to work at AEW. No, that just means today for all the instances, all the dynamics that went into it really sucked. That's what I want people to know. Just knowing that, just having the information present in front of them. Yeah, I love that. Uh, We did get, uh, we put it out there to the AEW unrestricted audience as far as wanting to ask independent questions. And we got a ton in just to start off uh, at Susanna wants to know, do you and Matt Taven still quote Ghostbusters to each other in the ring? Not only do we quote Ghostbusters to each other in the ring, we quote Ghostbusters to each other in the back. We quote Ghostbusters to each other through text message. It's this ongoing joke with Maria where she says, you guys just bounce random movie line quotes off each other because me and Matt are the same age. So we grew up and we have the same sense of humor. So we grew up watching the same types of movies, the same comedy movies. We like all the same comedic actors. So all we do is bounce these lines off of each other. And having been 85 babies, we grew up on Ghostbusters. So to us, Ghostbusters is the greatest movie of all time. And that's why we literally call our finish the proton pack. And (laughs) the time right before we hit it, Taven yells out some sort of Ghostbuster line, either aim for the flat top or don't cross the streams or (laughs) something before we do it. We always hit some sort of Ghostbuster line. Believe it or not, I I don't know if I've ever told this story, but when I left Ring of Honor the first time to go to Impact, Right before my very last match, I went out there and I looked at Taven and I said to him, I said, it's been a pleasure working with you, Dr. Bankman, because that's what they say at the very end of Ghostbusters before they go and cross the streams. Mm-hmm. It just was, we're, we're Ghostbuster marks through and through. Oh, <laughs> Do you remember that when that first started? 
<laughs> no, because for, <laughs> for as long as I've known Taven, Will, you'll you'll pick up on this being around backstage, and I'm sure Aubrey, you've seen like we're just two giant goofballs who just try to make oh, each other laugh the entire time. Like that's the goal. That's why we are best friends. And so the way I met Taven was I was helping train at a school in in Massachusetts, and he was like I actually helped train Taven. So I've known him his entire career, and just the first time we met. The way we started talking, it was like, did we just become best friends type situation? Because it was instant. And from that point on, we've just been quoting Ghostbusters. We'll say the most random crap in our match. You'll see. It's just it's literally every single time just to pop us or it's to get Maria to roll her eyes. Like, what is wrong? <laughs> That's always the goal. I think we have time for one more question and kind of talking about tag team stuff a little bit there. Question from LKW Artworks. What do you find fun about singles and pure rules matches that you might not be able to do during tag matches? I think when you're a singles and a pure wrestler, it's solely focused on you. You're the sole focus. And there's no worry about making sure, well, what's this person doing? Because they need to be selling over here or make sure this person's in their right spot. You can solely just, it's a very me centric type of match. Everything's about me. Everything's my focus. When you're in a tag match, You have to worry about three, I say worry, but you have to think about three other people Mm -hmm. and not only think about three other people, but what they're doing and where they're positioned in the ring is crucial to what comes next. When it's just you, there's not that other aspect out there. For me, I love doing both because I love the art form and what goes into trying to figure out where all four guys are going to be or all six guys or all eight guys. Like I love that mindset and I love the chaos of tag matches. And I think there's something, there's an element there that you can't get at any other type of match. But I also love the intimacy of a one-on-one match. I also love what can I do? If I'm not focusing on where this person has to be, what else can I focus on then? Can I focus on selling this arm better? Can I focus on making someone actually believe I'm her? Like you can then focus on different things because your attention's not in a million different places. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes with tag matches too, if there's four other guys, you can oftentimes sit on the apron and be like, all right, what can I do now that can be different? Because I don't have to worry what's going on in the ring. I don't have to worry about these spots that's coming next. I I can just react. So there's that element of being in a tag match and being like, okay, I can have a little bit of fun on the apron or do something different. Or how can I sell this to make be more impactful so I can lay on the outside a little bit longer? There's just all these different elements that go into these different type of matches. And for me personally, I don't think I have a favorite type. I think I just enjoy like. I, I say this all the time. I, can I cuss on this podcast? Is this okay? Yes. I say, I love this shit because I just, I love so much about pro wrestling and whether it's pure rules, which if you had told me 10 years ago, I would enjoy pure wrestling. I would have been like, you're out of your freaking mind. It's boring. It's awful. Then I came back to ring of honor. I became close with Jonathan Gresham. And now I love pure wrestling. Love, love, love it. Then I wrestled Josh Alexander, love pure wrestling even more, but, and then I'm a tag wrestler and I love tag wrestling. And I love the matches I've had with the Bucks and the Briscoes and going over to Japan and wrestling the Good Brothers. Like, I love all of it. And I just try to find the best things out of each one and then incorporate those into my matches. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. And I can't thank you enough for being here today, Mike. This is 
I wish I'd done this like, I wish I'd timed this conversation when I was having a bad day because now I'm like, I'm having the best day. <laughs> Call me. I'll give you, I'll send you some sort of uplifting, motivational message. There you go. And and as a reminder, if you're not already following Mike on social, you can catch him on Twitter, Real Mike Bennett, and then on Instagram, The Real Michael Bennett. It is worth your time to follow this man because the amount of um, emotional, uplifting stuff, it will heavily affect your day in the absolute best way. So thank you so much for being here today. You can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. New episodes every Thursday. You can watch the video on the YouTube channel. Just search AEW Unrestricted. Hit like, subscribe so you get all the fun notifications and stuff. Dynamite, Wednesdays, Rampage, Fridays, Ring of Honor, on Honor Club every Thursday, and Collision, oh my God, now every Saturday. We're all over the place. I am Aubrey Edwards, along with my guest co-host, the wonderful Will Washington. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted. Unrestricted.